on. Yep. Guys, come on in. Press that share button. Same setup as last week. Little different crew. You were in uh, at the Ohio State game. Yes. Yes. Every single uh, every single uh, football game, and then the OSU basketball Syracuse. Syracuse. That was fun. Been everywhere. They run my life. My name is Bobby Levine, as always, the host of the JMB Podcast. Alongside me is first-time podcaster as a whole, ever, Brett Hillbrand. He works with me at Spectrum, was sports, now Spectrum News. Right. We worked for High School Blitz and then the 11 Warriors post-game show. Mm -hmm. We had a blast doing this this past year. You worked at NBC4 here in Columbus for six years. You've been at Spectrum now the last year and a half. You've also worked at in the states of West Virginia and Pennsylvania, and you are a graduate of the Otterbein Cardinals. Yes, uh, 2009, which feels like a lifetime ago in a lot of ways. Uh, I tell you what, when it came to the post-game show and watching those games this year, nobody had a better time than, than our crew 100%. Saturdays watching the Buckeyes. That was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I will remember those. I will remember those days for a very long time. This, those were good times. This whole year will be a, a year of memory for Ohio State fans. A lot of a lot of good. Obviously, in the beginning, a lot of bad. Um, the moment I'll probably remember with watching you is during the Penn State game. Mm. We were losing <laughs> the entire game, and then in the fourth quarter, we had a fire drill. Yeah. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, down by a touchdown, we had to go outside for that. Mm -hmm. We had to leave the building, and we were watching it on your phone. Yeah, and we, I, I remember we were like, we, we were literally considering not leaving because this is during during the actual game. The timing of it pretty much matched up directly with uh, the the moments leading to the Ben Victor touchdown. Yes, grab. so we felt like momentum trending towards the Buckeyes yes. at that point. I remember I remember looking around and going, we're not leaving. We're not, not leaving. leaving. Yep. And then we did leave. We had to leave. Uh, yeah, we were literally by law uh, forced uh, to leave. But we did watch on my, my little phone, shout out to YouTube TV. Thank uh, God. <laughs> and, uh, and we're able to, to, to check that out. Uh, but yeah, that, that is just one... Uh, of a bunch of kind of random hilarious things that happened on Saturday. Were you there the Maryland season. game? I was in Maryland. You were I was in Maryland. Maryland. I wish you could have seen the reaction Josh had. Yeah, I heard all about it. Because it was him and Mary Lee there, and that was the first week we went to Dillette. Mm -hmm. So Aaron wasn't on the screen. It was just him talking to me and then Mary Lee and Josh there. And Josh didn't want to leave our room because he was with her watching, and he's like, I feel like a better crowd with you guys here. Right. And with Jason in the back running controls, and then I was like literally yelling in the microphone. I had to mute Aaron because I was screaming too much. Mm -hmm. And I was just constantly talking to Josh all the time, screaming like, let's, come on, please win this game. Yeah. And we did, so. The Maryland the Maryland game, and I've covered college football now for probably, this, this is, I feel like it's douchey to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like I, I've covered college football now about 10 years, 10, 11 years. It's a long time, man. Um, yeah, gosh, it, it feels longer sometimes. Uh, and most of that has been spent covering the Buckeyes. That game is the craziest, most absurd college football game yeah. I have ever seen. It might be the most absurd football game I've ever seen, and nothing will ever come close to it. It was it was patently crazy. The you had 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's about as bad as Ohio State could have played defensively, and they yes. were they still went out and won the game. Yeah. The, the you know the, that old like cliche of if you looked at the stats, you would never think that the Buckeyes even had a chance in that game, and yet they they obviously went out and, and won it in overtime. It, but the, to me, the biggest my biggest kind of memory of it is watching uh, watching the final, let's say like five minutes of the fourth quarter and then the overtime period yeah. is on the field and Gene Smith the Ohio State Athletic Director uh, was on the field in the in the end zone where the the, the Buckeyes and, and Terrapins eventually were going towards uh, in that overtime period he was standing alone in the corner by himself no but he had like with like everybody else shooting the game and all the media on there but like he wasn't behind like the media shooting line. Like he had stepped like a full like yard in front of it, so he could have reached over and like touched the field. He was that close. And the refs and all these security people are like trying to get him to like step back, and he's like, "Bleep you! Do you know who I am?" Like he he ignored everybody. I guarantee if you go back and you look at the video, there's a dude standing precariously close to the field, and it's Gene Smith. And you could I'm hear sorry. him. You could hear him f bomb. Well, he might not have been f bomb the refs, but you could hear him yelling at the refs, and like it was. Hilarious, because he was so locked in in that game. That game was nuts. This whole year's been nuts. Yeah. We're gonna dive in. This entire episode is dedicated to yesterday's news break here in Columbus, Ohio, with Urban Meyer stepping down as head coach of Ohio State, as he's been for the last seven years mm. at the helm. He took over when Luke Fickle was the interim coach, and the year before when Jim Trussell got fired. You were there for that. We'll talk about that later mm. in this in this episode. Um, Coming into this year, though, we have to go in chronological order. I guess you can go back to 2014. He left Florida back in the day because he was sick. Right. Uh, heart, specifically the heart issues. Yes. Um, uh, he's talked a little bit about, uh, in the past, about being borderline addicted to sleeping pills. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, and has had some substance abuse issues with regards to sleep aids. Uh, and then... I think is a byproduct of that had some heart issues uh, and then not so long after that the the arachnoid cyst things started yes. happening in 2014 he said at, was it during the, it was during the national championship run mm -hmm. he got he had a surgery on that in that off season and then he came back and he said last year in the 2017 uh, Penn State game right is when it flared up again and if you can remember that game, we were down big, came back and won. JT Bear played probably the greatest second half of his entire Absolutely. career. Fourth quarters. Yeah. Fourth quarter, yeah. Didn't have an incompletion. Yeah, it, and I was I was on the sidelines of that game, and um, you could definitely tell that there was something um, wrong, extra wrong, okay. something because. Uh, Urban Meyer's body language on the sideline is terrible, and it always has always, been. Like, yeah. he, he definitely suffers through games, uh, as opposed to maybe um, competing through them and the you know the energy uh, in that regard. It's very much uh, suffering, and it felt like there was another gear uh, a couple times. And I know, um, I guess the cyst when when it, when he's like encountering high stress environments, the cyst ruptures and leaks, and that causes. Tremendous amount of pain, and then obviously, then headaches uh, are a byproduct of that. Um, but then, obviously, we saw what happened. The Buckeyes go out uh, and 
win it, and JT Barrett throws what four touchdown passes in yep. the fourth quarter. It was like sixteen or six of sixteen or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then Marcus Marcus Ball hauling in the, that game winner um, right in the middle. Yeah. The but yeah, it was. Um, I I kind of feel like we've been building to this moment throughout the year uh, a, a little bit, and and you know the health concerns. Uh, have also built throughout yes. uh, the last several seasons. Well, I mean, when he got hired, everyone was talking about how long is he going to be here? Is he going to do exactly what he did in Florida? If, if the ship doesn't sail right, because towards the end of, the, of his Florida tenure, the team fell off after Tebow left. And he went from a national championship competing team to a 9-4, and four, couldn't beat Alabama, and that was it. Right. Yeah, and I think, I think it's kind of a weird dynamic uh, in Florida, specific with Gator fans, uh, that certainly feel a little bit sour about his departure because yes. they thought they had their coach for the next. They thought they had their Bear Bryant, right? Yes. They thought they had the guy uh, that's essentially uh, the second coming of Steve Spurrier, Spurrier two point or three point right? He's yes. going to be there for the next twenty five years and win ten national championships and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden he was gone, and that's how he's been his entire right, and he, and he was gone. And he said, like, I mean, you know, I have to do this for health reasons. And then four months later, he's showing up on ESPN. Yep. And then a year-ish later, he's, you know, in Columbus being introduced as the Buckeyes head coach. Yes. And I, I, there's, a, there's a huge swath of Florida Gator fans that feel hard done by by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But at the same time, Homeboy brought you two national championships yes. and nobody else was even coming, coming close to no. you. No, and look and what so, they've been since then. Yeah, and, and you could definitely say uh, that he – Essentially, reestablished Florida on the in the top tier of college football. I don't know if they're necessarily still there now, but that's what you get when you hire Muschamp and some of the other dudes. Yeah, but there, yeah. right, but but the recruiting uh, of Coach Ryan Day. If you have any questions, please let us know. We will answer them all. Um, we get a fast forward to the beginning of this year in in, in July and August. Yeah, Brett McMurphy drops a atom bomb on the college football world. Right, and it was. The, the way that that whole story kind of came about, and we could spend we could be here all night yeah. talking about it and some of the issues therein. The the biggest thing is that uh, the timing of it, as far as from an Ohio State Urban Meyer standpoint, could not have happened worse. Yeah. Uh, they were not prepared for this uh, in any stretch of the imagination, and then his performance at Big Ten Media Days is a direct result yes. of that. He was a- asked a question about a situation that happened in the past mm. and quote-unquote lied to the media. Um, but in the report, he did everything right. Mm-hmm. And since he lied, they had to put a punishment out there. And he was suspended the first three games of the year, and that's when we saw Coach Ryan Day step up, win all three of those games. Urban Meyer came back and pretty much going perfect besides that Purdue game, mm-hmm. won a Big Ten championship, and now we're here. So my first question to you was, was this predicted, was inevitable from the beginning of this year? Was he going to step down regardless of his health? Isn't it funny how something can be both shocking and also not surprising exactly. at the same time? Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, for those of us um, that are within the Ohio State daily media, like, as in like the people who literally cover it every single day, we exist in a little bit of a bubble and, and it can sometimes be hard to see outside of it. I know for me, um, 
it's it can it's actually a challenge to some, to kind of find another perspective beyond how something might affect Ohio State football and, and kind of how that ebbs and flows and influences uh, the team. So a lot of like the stuff that happens outside of football kind of flies over our head because yes. we're kind of concerned with you know the the depth of the offensive line. Like why is Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins why are they not playing very well? You know, in some of the day in day out X's and O's stuff. Uh, and then, and then the recruiting side of this is another huge part of it. Um, that that some of that other stuff can kind of fly by your ear, yeah. And you might catch it on its way by, and you might bank it in your brain a little bit, uh, but you don't necessarily kind of grab it and concentrate on it and think and think like, how does this how does this affect the team big picture? We don't really yeah. think in those terms. So. Um, it, you know, and if like if we had some of the other guys from like the Love Warriors and Cleveland.com and some of the, the the written media, Letterman Row, you know, those guys would who are way more plugged in than I am uh, would would tell you that that we have in, encountered rumors since the very beginning yeah. of the year. Yes, um, th- where you know it was it was kind of like well that could happen and that could happen, but it was like you know like if you were connecting dots, right? And you had A, B, C, D, and E, right? And there were two guys who had, like, one guy had dot .A and dot .D. Yep. Another writer had dot .B and, like, dot .F. And now that we ha- everything has kind of come out, we've been able to connect them. Yep, but prior exactly. to all of this, we were really never able to connect any, any of the dots because nobody was plugged into the point beyond maybe Ari Wasserman from The Athletic who yes. uh, kind of wrote, you know, about the potential uh, of, um, like, uh, interviewing Ryan Day as a potential coach in yep. waiting and, and the whole... Um, interim basis when Meyer was suspended being an audition. So, am I surprised? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, do I think that he was going to retire at the end of this year if he wasn't suspended at the beginning? The answer is probably no. No. I think the suspension um, uh, definitely influenced that more towards retirement than staying. Here's the thing about Urban Meyer, and I, uh, we've talked a little bit about this in other spots before. Um, you know, and as someone who has covered Urban Meyer a decent amount, and, and like kind of like knowing him as like a man, yeah. Urban Meyer is exceptionally different as a person this yeah. year than he was just last year. Oh yeah, it's amazing to me. Like, but he doesn't inter- trust anybody. Interacting, though. interacting with him on a, yeah, not just that, but like, you know, he's a grandpa now. He's got one grandkid, another one on the way. Uh, and and you know that changes you as a person. Yeah. I actually think that softens you as a person. Yeah. But he's like, he he said a couple things this year in in media availabilities and press conferences that that like are sentimental. And prior to this, I I don't think I'd ever hear him utter a sentimental word publicly. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And true. he's done it on multiple occasions. And so that's where I think that the whole idea of like where there was smoke, there was fire. Well, the smoke was around the sentiment, the sentimental kind of change. Yep. In his personality, then obviously, you know the results of what happened yesterday, and, and and then him, you know, announcing that retirement. So I'm not surprised, but I do think the suspension uh, was a huge influence, in addition to the health reasons, yes. a huge influence for him to you know to walk away. Guys, we're talking about the Urban Meyer situation as he stepped down yesterday, and this whole situation has just gone on the entire year. Was it a domino effect? Now, my next question though kind of reflects off this now. If he was going to retire and Ohio State somehow slipped into that four seed at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and we made the college football playoff, would he have made it a bigger deal and announced it beforehand? Because 
if we made the playoffs and he announces this now, the story of Urban Meyer retiring is bigger than the college football playoff, in my opinion. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it is up until we really kick that thing off, uh, the semifinals kick off on the 27th. Uh, it's To me, it's the biggest story in sports right now. Yeah. And it probably should be. Uh, it should be for a while. I would guess it will be for at least another week, um, at least until you know Sunday and the NFL games Bowl come games. out. Some football um, game goes on. Right, so... Uh, First and foremost, if Ohio State gets into the college football playoff, there's a 0.0% chance that Urban Meyer announces his retirement. I think he's worried about his team first. I yeah. don't think he wants there's to make no that a deal. There's no way that happens. Yes. Uh, and like, let's say, let's say if that happens, Ohio State goes on and wins the national championship. I'm not so sure Urban Meyer rides off in the sunset as the number one guy. I think he sees those influx, that the influx of recruits that comes in with winning a national championship, yes. and goes. Well, let's go get number five. You know, let's go get number. Let's go get number four. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I I think I I the the one thing that we saw. You know, I was on his press conference on Sunday, which was right after obviously winning the Big Ten championship, and then when we found out that they weren't going to the College Football yes. Playoff, and he he put a ton of emphasis on not complaining about the result, basically not getting in. Yeah. But there have been a couple times now where he is essentially voiced frustration with the moving target that uh, that is uh, the requirements that you have to hit as a program it's to not, get into the college It seems like playoff. it's going out of high state every single year. Because if you look at the college football playoff for the last five years now, when Ohio State is on the border, we've either been four mm -hmm. or five as last year, and we're six now. Now, if Oklahoma loses last week, I don't think the committee could have put a two-loss team above a conference championship team with right. one loss. Mm -hmm. A Power Five conference championship team, especially a team from the Big Ten and the Big Ten East. Right. Now they have all right to put them at five, just to have a like a talking point, like, oh well, it didn't go, it didn't happen that way. Yeah. It's frustrating because again, every year it's last year was who had the best win. And then now this year, I feel like it's who had the worst loss. Yeah, we had two losses last year. We weren't going to get it. You can't, you can't get blown out no. essentially in the college football playoff era. Um, but I do think it's, uh, I think it it, it sets a, a really terrible precedent now that we we are essentially we've essentially elevated losses above wins. Yes. And in how you can maybe have an off night. In that you walk away with a defeat, but you can't have an off night and walk away with it with a with an, a resounding defeat. Loss, yeah. And I think that's actually really really dangerous because yeah. it sets up for Alabama to to make the college football playoff every single year because Alabama hasn't lost a game by ten points in the last like what like seven years but by fourteen points since us yeah so it might be I'm gonna look that up literally since be. yeah literally since the semifinal in twenty the 2014-2015 wow that so, could be amazing and true. so if if we're doing that essentially where it's like if you lose you can lose but you have to lose by a close measure Alabama's going to make the college football playoff every single year so like one or two every just because year. the the FCC is so <coughs> top heavy that, that, in my opinion, a second defeat does not exist for Alabama outside of what what comes out of iron sharpening iron within their SEC championship opponent. Uh, and and the other thing that I think this does, um, and it lends itself towards in the future, is nobody, nobody will schedule tough in non-conference anymore. No. Because it, if you can get in with one loss... Teams will try and teams will try and essentially bury that loss somewhere within 
either the first half of the year in their conference schedule. Yep. And so you want to see, like, when you want to talk about Bama and complaining about Bama playing Mercer, well, get ready for a whole ton of that because We're gonna do there's that. no reason why Ohio State should schedule TCU if, if there's a chance that you can go out and get, you know, get smacked around by TCU. Why don't you play, you know, Bowling Green, beat them by 60? Because, like, that, that's that's basically the, the, the crux of this. The only th- reason why... Quality wins don't matter anymore. The, the only reason why we had that, it was for the BCS era. Right. The BCS computer system loved early preseason right. non-conference game wins. Mm-hmm. That's why Boise State went out there and tried to schedule Virginia Tech pretty much every time, or yeah. Oregon that was ranked high that could win the conference, that could possibly bolt them in. A lot of people are saying now that we should go to the BCS format and just take the top four teams from that. I mean, I think I think that I think that that's a classic example. The grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I I think as someone who actually enjoys the four team playoff, and I don't necessarily see how the eight team playoff works um, logistically without uh, you know without adding a week to the college football season, and then how that kind of affects uh, or how that affects uh, class time, yep. practice hours, because, you know, the team's already maxed out the number of hours you're allowed to practice. Yep. Well, if you add a week of play in there, well, you know, you're, you're essentially, teams will be practicing less. If they come up so, with a money stance for them. Yeah, the, the, essentially they're going to have to change the NCAA bylaws to be able to do that. I don't see that happening. We talked about last week with Josh just saying if they could pay the players just Fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. They would they would take it and play an extra week. Yeah, I I think there's there's definitely an element um, uh, an element towards paying players as a way to um, try and uh, flush out the best possible national championship determining process. Yes. Right. The, the, and so it be that a a fourteen tournament or an eighteen tournament or something along those lines. I think the only way you can do that is by paying the players. Yes. And and. I would not be surprised if that kind of comes along in the next couple years for sure. We're close. I don't know how close we are to that yet. Now, looking forward, though, to possibly players that could be paid recruiting-wise here in Columbus. Urban Meyer stepping down. Ryan Day taking over. Urban's from Ohio. He's had a lot of coaches underneath him from Ohio that knew the trail close to here. Well, Urban turned this program into a national team, a national brand with getting guys Everywhere, Chris Olave, three star to San Diego. Before mm-hmm. before Irving gets here, there's no way he comes here. Right, he was going to go to USC. Mm-hmm. What is Ryan? Can Ryan Day live up to the expectation of his predecessors? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we have two best coaches maybe in the history of Ohio State that he has to take over front behind Charles Re- Willingham. Recruiting, recruiting wise. Urban Meyer always talks about you. You won't be an assistant coach at Ohio State if you don't recruit at an elite level. And I think it's I think Ryan Day's ability to essentially be the creative offensive mind that he is, yep. uh, in addition to recruiting, is why he's the head coach uh, of the Buckeyes right now, or at least will be, come January second next year. Yes. Um, the The weirdest thing. Uh, uh, with, or not, I guess weird might be the right, wrong word, but I, I thought one of the more interesting uh, or like kind of like flare in the night kind of things for me uh, that happened throughout the entire press conference uh, on Tuesday with the Urban Meyer resignation and the, the Ryan Day announcement 
was Ryan Day uh, in his written statement had an entire section that was dedicated to Ohio high school football players and basically saying, recruiting wise, and basically saying, uh, you know, we're going to recruit Ohio, you know, exceptionally hard. And um, to me, it was a re-emphasis on recruiting the state of Ohio that I thought was a direct departure of what Urban Meyer has done yes. uh, in, in, not necessarily in, in word, but in action. Uh, there have been a lot of kids in the last two to three years in Ohio that have gone to Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Northwestern's like half their offense is Plus, is a GCL South. Yeah, LaSalle maybe. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, you know, Indiana. I mean, uh, Peyton Ramsey playing over there, uh, Cincinnati high school quarterback. Um, so a lot of those kids who are three stars-ish, um, aren't really getting looks at Ohio State because Ohio State has filled those roster spots with kids from Texas and California and Florida and other places. And I thought that was a really, um, that was a line in the sand kind of comment and, uh, for me. That was him yeah. basically saying, we're going to re, uh, reestablish our dominance in recruiting in the state of Ohio. Now, that's all fine and dandy, if Ohio is turning out four and five star kids yeah. like they were back in the mid two thousands, um, you know, basically with Cleveland Glenville, uh, yeah, and, and those kids and coming yeah. right, and well, the, in like early two thousands and the mid two thousands, that's all fine and bloody dandy if, if Ohio keeps keeps cranking those kids out. We've seen a little bit of a dip in Ohio recruiting in the last three to four years, which is, a, in my opinion, is a direct result of Urban Meyer going elsewhere. Yes, and so it's not really his fault. Um, if the kids aren't there, if the dudes aren't there, you're going to go look everywhere else. But you should. Yeah, as you should. And, and like, uh, are you arguing with the results on the field uh, with a bunch of five-star kids out there? Uh, it's like, yeah, you know, you might be looking at a Hilliard Bradley kid who you thought maybe in, if he played here, he played in Columbus in 2001 as a playing linebacker for the Buckeyes, but now he's over at Purdue. If you're mad about that, like, well, yeah, you know, but Purdue also lost six games this year, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, to me, the juice is significantly, the juice is worth the squeeze uh, with these five-star kids elsewhere. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how much of that actually bears out, how much of that Ryan Day really does recruit State yeah. of or how much that was lip service. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look, like you said, the tendencies, if you go to the recruiting basis on Google and you can see the State of Ohio, there's only one five-star guy. Yeah, Zach Harrison. Probably. From Olentangy. Yeah, right. Exactly. And he is looking either at Michigan or Ohio State. you got to go out and get these guys. And, mm -hmm. and, and Colin Coward said it probably the best line I've ever heard him say on his show, and it was two weeks ago when Ohio State just beat Michigan. He said, you can't have Northwestern in this college football playoff because they're a typical northern power. And typical Northern powers consist of Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Washington. Sure, they look great on paper against Northern teams, but you put them against a Southern team, they're going to get routed. Mm -hmm. And you look at Michigan this year, they lost to Notre Dame, and they got smacked against Ohio State. Notre Dame plays Vanderbilt this year in SEC school and almost loses the game. Yeah, You're going to see, in my opinion – Come the call first round of the college football playoff against Clemson. I think Clemson destroys Notre Dame. 
Yeah, and, and they don't have the speed. The, the the Notre Dame thing in the college football playoff, um, I think, re- represents uh, a little bit of the fallacy of basically handpicking teams, where it's, you know it's basically an invitational. Yeah. Um, you know, Ohio State would be favored again. if Northwestern if they played Notre Dame on a neutral field. Ohio State's favored against Notre Dame. They or, say we're favored against Georgia's favorite against Notre Dame. All three of us, field. Oklahoma, yeah. Georgia, and Ohio State, are so, all favored against Notre Dame. Uh, and I, but at the same time, what more can you ask of Notre Dame to beat everybody you played? That's and, right. And but that's, you can ask them to join a conference, right? And, and there's no re- Notre Dame will never join a conference. No. They already have their own TV deal with NBC. They're on TV every single stinking week, week in prime time. So they're. They're sitting pretty. They only have to play uh, one less game. They're basically an ACC team, they right? Are, yeah. And 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 it's not a coincidence that the ACC had its worst statistical win loss year that it has ever had this yep. season. It's not a coincidence that Notre Dame then obviously runs the table and goes undefeated along with Clemson. That's not a coincidence. No. Those two things, those two things happening, are a direct result of the ACC being really, really bad this year. Pitt played Clemson in the ACC championship game, and Pitt was terrible this year. Pitt almost beat Notre Dame this year. Yeah, and so there are a couple different times where uh, you're watching Notre Dame, and I kept thinking back to how well they played against Michigan the first week. That if you put if you put Notre Dame and Michigan in a neutral field two weeks ago, Notre Dame gets the crap kicked out of them. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I actually think. Brian Kelly will be preaching that to his kids when they play that the like you're gonna be your underdogs and nobody believes in you and blah blah blah. Sammy Herman said that and we saw two weeks ago we saw that whole line with Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes tour. and they went out and crushed Michigan. So I think that's actually the easiest way to motivate a team yeah. anymore. Um, but that to me represents the fallacy a little bit of of the four team playoff and how we determine those four teams. Yeah. One quick stat on the ACC this year: there are at the end of the season going to the bowl season there are only two ranked teams. Right. Clemson, rated number two in the nation, will play Notre Dame, and 20th ranked Syracuse, Syracuse, who didn't score a single point against Notre Dame. Yeah, and and like even like teams that you expect to be good, uh, in like in the Coastal Division, right? Virginia Tech, you always expect the Hokies to be good. They were awful this year. Awful. Miami was supposed um, to be back this year. My, Florida awful. State, Florida State, you thought you know maybe DeAndre uh, DeAndre Francois gets it going. That offensive line at Florida State's the worst Division One offensive line in the country. This is the first year. time in. 30-plus, was it four years now? Something like that, yeah. They're not going to bowl Wall Street got snapped. Virginia Tech had to play, had to schedule Marshall during the conference championship week to get bowl eligible. Like, it's just, it was bad across the board. Like, there's a reason why Johnson's stepping down at Georgia Tech, because they couldn't do it anymore, right? So it was bad everywhere. NC State, I think, was the only other team that was ranked. Boston College was ranked a couple weeks. Yep. Those two teams are the only other teams that really looked any good at That's different it. points and different stretches throughout the season. Uh, the Atlantic Division, where Clemson is, other than Clemson, that whole rest of the division went 0 and 19 against AP top 25 teams. 0 and 19. It's the worst win loss statistical year they've ever had. That is. Absurd. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's an absolute joke. So let's get back on the Urban Meyer discussion, though. Yeah. Urban Meyer stepped down yesterday here in Columbus. Ryan Day took over. We just talked about the recruiting here. Let's go about your favorite memory Urban had at Ohio, at Ohio State here. I, I mean, I would say there there's definitely a handful. Um, but uh, without question, the the number one will be the, that semifinal against Bama. Um, and uh, if Bo Bishop, uh, the godfather, was here, godfather. Uh, we would – we would talk about how, um, how how rare that game is, where 
you don't go into Bama's backyard yeah. and beat them the way that the Buckeyes did. And it's a direct result of what we were talking about earlier about the underdog kind of and how that motivates teams. And uh, and I'm sure you've maybe talked a little bit about Joshua Perry over the, over the last couple of weeks about what that was like playing yeah. for that team and what, what that game uh, was like. But save for the actual national championship game, which in a lot of ways I think is a bit of an afterthought for me. This was the national championship game. That, that, that felt like it was the national title game. And for them, you know, to beat them in the way that they did uh, will always stand out to me as the, uh, it's the pinnacle of Urban Meyer's coaching career. And I'm including the Florida national championships in that. Uh, and I don't think if he does coach somewhere else, and I would not be totally surprised if he does. We'll get on that. Uh, yeah, tease. That's a deep tease. Uh that I don't think he will ever reach the heights of that team ever again. That team will live in glory. I mean, they'll have a thirty for thirty on it a couple of years down the line yeah. of just story after story about we lost the f- second game of the season to Fa Tech. Yeah, they lost by like fourteen. And they looked terrible. Terrible. In that game. Terrible. You looked terrible the first game against Navy. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't look good against Navy, but then you come home first night at home. There's a night game. Night game. Yeah, had. JT Barrett's out there throwing ducks. Couldn't do anything, and then we just reel off win after win after win. The first college football ranking comes out. We're ranked 17th. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is over. And we just kept winning, and everyone just kind of like JT Barrett going down an injury in the Michigan game. Michigan game, yeah. and then Cardale comes in. A small kid named Cardale Jones small. out of Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. steps up and wins the three biggest games probably in college football history in a row like that. I think I think Ezekiel Elliott the last month of that season, uh, in a, oh. the last the last two weeks of November, and then and then obviously the month of December. Um, I think is about as much of an individual domination, not at the quarterback position, that college football has ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the playoff, we had four turnovers in each game, and we still dominated. Like, imagine mm-hmm. what we would have done without those turnovers. Yeah. Uh, my favorite memory is going to go back to his first year in 2012. Um, we played Purdue. Okay. And we were down big to Purdue. Mm-hmm. By, I think it was like 10 points. Braxton got hurt. And we sent in Kenny, Kenny, Guyton, Guyton. Kenny yeah. G, and he led us to the promised land, came back for us over time. We won the game. I was a freshman at Ohio University. My roommate was from Pittsburgh, not a Columbus guy at all, or Ohio guy at all, mm-hmm. so he didn't understand it. He's taking a nap in his bed, and I'm going nuts. He's like, can you please keep it down? I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> shut no. up. No, absolutely no. not. I was on cloud nine with that win. Um, we ended up going perfect 12-0 that year. Couldn't go to the postseason. Yeah. Bowl ban that year. Bowl ban that year. And yeah, I mean. I'm, How crazy is that? Undefeated team. You know, you would talk about. I feel like the as far as like a big picture thing uh, with Urban Meyer, there's a lot of what ifs out so there. So many right? what ifs. And that, that to me is a huge what if team. It went year by year with what ifs. So we, that team, you never know. We were weak defensively that year. Right. Offensively, we just kind of like just did our thing. The next year, we started out twelve and zero. He started twenty four and zero at Ohio State. Then he loses two games in a row against Michigan State on the Brax similar keeper on like fourth or was it JT? Was it no? That that, that, Brax. Brax, I'm sorry. Yeah. Braxton went out right where he should have handed the ball off to uh, Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and Hyde would have ran hundred yards in the end zone. We yeah, lose the game by ten. We go to Clemson in the Orange Bowl and get 
whacked. Whacked. Mm-hmm. It was a good game, but we lost by like seven. Yeah. Braxton got hurt. Kenny got in that step up, and that was the end of Braxton's run at quarterback. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, there was, um, and then you know the the fourteen fifteen, you know fourteen fifteen year happened. Twenty sixteen is maybe the most talented. Ohio State team ever 2015 2015 2015 2015 2015 Michigan State yeah and um in in where you know Tim Beck forgot that Zeke Elliott was in the backfield in that game uh most sickening game I went to um, the game yeah and it was you know and then obviously Zeke you know went out and trashed the coaches afterward um in the in the post-game press conference yep. stuff um yeah that that 14-15 team Best, most, probably the most talented team Ohio State's ever put together. Probably top two college football team of all time, right. if not the greatest college football team. Think about all the Division One talent, oh. uh, the, the the first round talent, uh, NFL talent on that team. Literally, like what, seven, eight first rounders, if not more. Yeah, ten first rounders on that team. What Urban Meyer has done here with, like, we will talk about recruiting wise. This guys he brings in, he probably just sits down there in their living room like this and it says do you want to be drafted in the first round yeah the old Larry Carrick what's your ring size yeah he just puts puts the ring out there and says listen that's the championship ring if you want to come here you can play if not you can go somewhere else and good luck to you but if you want to be a winner you come here he finishes his Ohio State tenure one more game left and if you're a betting man you bet the house on Ohio State right Absolutely. You, there's no way, especially the granddaddy of all, he's wanted to coach this game for so long. Mm-hmm. And for this to be his last game, last game at Ohio State, in Pasadena, it's going to be freezing cold here when this game kicks off. It's going to be 85, 80 degrees, sunny, sunny Can't setting. Wait. He's going to be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be 82 and 9 going into that game. It's a nine, 90 win percentage. 90% win percentage. Yeah. 90%, yeah. And. 54 and 4 in the Big Ten. He's been at Indy four times, one at three, the Big Ten championship, one college football championship. I mean, the dude's done it all. We did this, we did this uh, earlier in the week, and, and and if you're watching right now, I'd encourage you to do it uh, at home too, because we're, we're I'm gonna I'm gonna test Bobby here. Oh gosh. Um, he so he was he's only lost nine games mm-hmm. at Ohio State. You can probably name all nine. Yeah. So Michigan State, what twice, three times. Twice. Twice. Clemson twice. So that's four. Yep. Okay. He Purdue. Lost Purdue this Iowa. past year. Iowa last year. So that's seven. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma eight. There's one more. There's one more. And I couldn't. Bot I Tech. But Virginia Tech is the other one. Yeah. yeah. So we, like that. That to me sums up his tenure. You can name every loss. Anything else is that's how successful he is. Is that you can name every single defeat. Yeah, I, I actually went through because I've tried to go to a game every single year, even through my college career. And a couple of years, the National Championship year, I went to three. I went to the mm-hmm. Illinois game where we blew them out. Yeah. Went to the Michigan game where JT got hurt. And I also went to them at the Michigan State game where JT went off. Um, and out of all the games, he was seven and one. The only loss was that Michigan State right. asterisk around it. And to say that is an incredible record. I mean, what he did against top 25 teams was the greatest in history. I think he was like 75% win percentage. Yeah, something like that. And, and um, you know, to me, it's the, the underdog, perfect undefeated record as yeah. an underdog. Um, you know, as a coach, you know, Urban Liar coaches, specifically coaches special teams. Yeah. And then is a little bit involved with the defensive backs. But for the most part, 
he's the motivator. He's like the you know the guy who kind of sets the tone and, and really gets the pulse going of that program. Yep. Uh, which is a reason why he's stepping away for the, the health reasons because I think that creates a ton of stress and requires a ton of effort uh, and energy. But it's um, it's a testament to his ability to motivate uh, and how exceptionally talented he is at that. Um, that that under undefeated underdog record um, really showcases his his leadership ability yep. and and how that then translates to play on the field. The underdog, the rivalries record he yeah. has. He doesn't lose. He's a winner. Yeah. Everybody's going to remember the Michigan record for sure. Um, oh yeah. And I, and I think and I think that's something that we're going to be talking about for the next hundred years uh, of Ohio State football. Yeah. Uh, but to me, the actual the underdog record is is more is more impressive. There was a tweet I saw today. Uh, of a Michigan fan, he tweeted at Barstool, Michigan, and was like, man, I really wanted to beat Ohio State with Urban at the helm. And the guy underneath him was like, you had seven chances. Right. Like, it's not just, a, he wasn't a two-year in-and-out guy. He was here for a long time. You guys just couldn't compete against us. Yeah. Um, he took no friends. We never wanted to lose that. When you grew up in the 90s, if you're an Ohio State fan and you grew up in the 90s, you have a, you have a better perspective of, uh, how abnormal this run that Ohio State is on in that game, uh, and because you, th- you think about all the amazing teams that John Cooper had, yeah. and and how they cruise along, cruise along, cruise along, and then losing that last week to Michigan, and it was another national championship caliber team that didn't go, yeah, uh, simply because they just couldn't find a way to take out Lloyd Carr and some of those other dudes, um, and so I think that's what makes the Urban Meyer Michigan record all that more impressive. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Tress uh, through that, yep. you know, and, and you know some people, some people will say that in order for this this matchup to to be the rivalry that it used to be, Michigan's going to have to win some of those games. And I think to a certain extent that's yeah. a little bit true, um, but I think I think it's a direct. There's a direct correlation to Michigan being unable to win those games, and the fact that Michigan has kind of struggled a little bit in recruiting the last couple years. Now, the last question with Urban Meyer as he retired yesterday as head coach of Ohio State: Will he coach again? He is young. He's not, guys. You got to understand. It's not like he's up there like Nick Saban and why he's in age. He looks good, other than his health and his brain. He is 54 years old. He turns 55 in July. So going into next football season, he'll be 55 years old. He's He's basically the same age that Thad Mata was when when Thad got retired by Ohio State. Um, Weird. So here's the thing. I'm going to say no. And and I'm going to say that uh, knowing full well that I'm probably going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, Because, like, if Brian Kelly gets fired from Notre Dame in a couple years – uh, I mean, Lou Holtz would be, you know, Lou Holtz, who's a, been a huge influence in Urban Meyer's life, probably the first call that he would make, uh, if, you know, hopefully Lou's still around, uh, would be to Urban Meyer to maybe try and take Let's that here. Let's hear. Uh, yeah, East Liverpool's own, uh, East Liverpool, Ohio's own Lou Holtz. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so, but I'm going to say no, and I'm, and, and, and I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. Uh, reason number one is grandkids, yep. number one. And uh, Grandpa Urban is a way different dude uh, than than pre grandkids Urban Meyer. Yeah. And I think he's done everything that you can possibly do in college football 
and I so I don't think that there um, there's an avenue another avenue for him to take outside of maybe Notre Dame. Yep. Um, because he's not, you know, Bama's not, you know, Uncle Nick's not leaving Bama anytime no. soon. Clemson, Dabo and Clemson's not going anywhere. No. So there really isn't a program uh, that I think uh, is on par traditionally with uh, with the Ohio State, Clemson, Bama's uh, of the world yep. outside of Notre Dame that still, I think, has a coach that isn't a long-term solution there. Yeah. And, and that's nothing to say that Brian Kelly doesn't find something and get stack a couple of recruiting classes and together, there- and then he's there the next 10 years. There's also not a team out there where the situation was perfect to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we had one bad year, but it's the Ohio State University. We didn't have four years in a row of not getting recruits. Like USC right now, they're getting recruits. They just right. aren't winning. And I feel like it's got to – like they've had the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12 the last four years, and they have zero first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. We get nothing but first-round draft right. picks coming to Ohio State. And uh, in my opinion, Ohio, Urban Meyer, I, I don't know where he'd go. Where this is this was his dream job, right? And maybe down the line, yes, but he doesn't want to go pro. There's no chance he's going to the NFL. No, and and if for Browns and Bengals fans who are maybe looking at your chops and hoping that's going to happen, uh, you actually don't want Urban Meyer as your NFL head coach. No. And the reason why is because he's not actually super X's and O's dudes. No. Dude, he is a raw, raw, get in your face, grab your face mask, and scream at you kind of guy. And let me tell you something: that does not work in the NFL mm-hmm. outside of Bill Par- Bill Parcells. No, and Bill Parcells kind of basically died off. Took that because he was also such a huge X's and O's guy. Yeah. So he was able to kind of counterbalance that, that a little bit really quickly. That will yeah. not work in yeah. the NFL because if you're sitting there yelling at a, you know, Dolph. a 28 year old former MVP candidate, you know, who has. 80 million dollars in the bank he's looking at you and going screw you dude like yeah. i can do this anywhere without somebody else yelling, yelling. so it's yeah. not going to happen in the nfl uh notre dame would be the only other job that i think he would possibly take we have mike tackett here he yeah. said whenever saban retires if alabama were to call urban i guarantee he would entertain the offer if they would bring it to him yeah and and i, I he would definitely entertain the offer but there's nothing to say that nick saban wants urban meyer as his successor see that's the thing yeah that I think uh, is at play here, and that's what we saw with the Buckeyes. I didn't Buckeyes. even think about that. Wow. You know, you, you wouldn't talk about, you would talk about, like, coaching trees, and we've discussed uh, that a little bit, where, like, who are some, if you can name a couple Nick Saban coaching tree guys, um, is there anybody in that group that you could see succeeding in Alabama? The answer there is no, because uh, Nick Saban doesn't really have um, – a ton of disciples uh, in that regard. Urban look Meyer at Ohio. This is Urban Meyer's. Yeah, I mean, you know, tree alone. Dan Mullen's a big one. Um, you know, in and some of that group. Um, yeah, Luke Fickle, Mike Vrabel, Tom uh, Herman. Yeah, and uh, but like Nick Saban doesn't really have any of those guys. So I think it would be a little bit more open than say, you know, Ohio State's coaching search would have been it's a good comment here though um, it says he would always be in the save and shadow if he went to alabama yeah he definitely would i would definitely agree with that um i think if there is one guy who wouldn't care it would be the urban Meyer. um but i i think with with saban uh saban retiring is i think saban retiring is definitely something that we could see because i could see him getting bored a little bit because if, if this, he wins this year uh 
I mean, he's he's got to be in his six, 65. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to say like late 50s, uh, I'm gonna look early 60s. I'm not 100% sure how old he, he is. He definitely dyes his hair. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think at some point he kind of shrugs his shrugs his shoulders and goes, like, what more do you want from me here? Like, I can, He's 67 years 67, old. 67, so he's a little bit older than I thought. Wow. Um, so, you know, I think that's way more on the table. I would definitely say Urban entertains that idea. Uh, but given the stress, uh, you know, given the stress that being the, the head coach at Alabama would would would, uh, would create, yeah, you know, and, and believe me, um, this arachnoid cyst thing is not something you screw around no. with. and I think and he understands that as well. I, I don't think he would. I honestly think he'd entertain it. I agree uh, uh, with Mike, but I don't think um, I don't think he makes the jump there. I really don't. I think he could take like la- last time he retired, he was out for a year. I could see this being a couple of years. Seeing how much he wants to get back into it, I don't think he goes back into the booth and does announcing. Like I mean, he, he will definitely be with ESPN. You think I, would, so? I would bet. I would bet the house that that ESPN's already kind of talked to him about bringing bringing him on, in on, on, as an analyst. Because if you remember that year, he did college football with ESPN. He was by and large their best dude yeah. out there. Um, he was. He's kind of built for it yes, a, a little is. bit. In that, uh, he he's. He doesn't take it too seriously. He never took it too seriously, but he was young enough to kind of enjoy it. And I think he kind of liked being, uh, you know, it was a, it was a way to kind of stay a little bit relevant uh, in, in his mind. Um, and so I, I I would be really surprised if he doesn't do that. I, I think I think it's the easiest thing ever to have ESPN send you a wheels up jet every yeah, couple days and true. fly you to college game day. Because like here's the thing. You were talking about succession plans. I think Lee Corso has one more year left on college game day. One don't more, talk about one more year. That. I don't then, wanna, he's right. just the greatest. He's the guy best dude ever. ever. He's the best dude ever, and I, I think we should like the Secret Service should be protecting that dude at all costs. I think Lee has. I think you know he has one one guy one year left. There's a spot open on college game day. You got to get a nutcase like this. See, I don't Lee think course, I don't Lee, think Lee, you Lee need Holtz a nutcase. I don't. A I don't think you need a nut nut job in there. I actually <sighs> think, you know, Lee Lee is definitely the glue that's kept that thing together over the last couple of years. But I think it, or the last you know 25 years. But at this point, it's so big, I, like it's too big to fail. Yeah, so it's, it's way big. too big to fail. Uh, I think Urban Meyer could be the next guy who's on college game. It would be it would be like two Ohio State guys with Kirk and him. Kirk is the voice of college football right now. Yeah. Absolutely. It goes to him, and then you have Desmond on the left from Michigan, mm-hmm. and you have David Pollock, Georgia, Georgia, and yeah. then you have Jesse Palmer back in the studio. But you see, have, like in Jesse Palmer, like Jesse Palmer is on Good Morning America all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got, he's, he's like I think guy, he's man. thinking he's he's gonna go to the dark side. I think his sports days are more. He's, he's got here the hair and there. for it though. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then and then some. <laughs> and then some. Um, it's like I didn't think uh, I didn't think human beings look like Jesse Palmer until I met Jesse Palmer in person. Is he a nice guy? Uh, he's he was okay. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, he. Um, but I actually think if you want to talk about like what's the next job Urban Meyer takes long term? I think it's Lee Corso's. You job. think he puts headgear on? I, no way. I don't think he does any of the shticks. I don't think they do any of the. They shticks. gotta get a guy to fill that spot. I don't think they will because <laughs> we'll I think you know, he, they were they would retire that shtick with Lee Corso. Because I think I think the biggest insult you could possibly give, uh, you know, to what do they call him the the, shun, the sunshine state scooter. I yeah. think that was his nickname. The the most insulting thing to his legacy that you could possibly do is to have someone else take over his thing, 
And so there's no way that the, like, the first show, day. you know, like some guy's grabbing a gator head and putting it on. That's not going to happen. When he's done, that whole thing is done. Lee Corso is 83 years yeah. old. He'll be 84 next football season. Legend. 85 is a nice, not, nice round number, and I bet you that's the year. Okay. All right, well, Urban Meyer retired yesterday. I'm here with Brett Hilbrandt with Spectrum News. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with NBC4 here in Columbus for six years. He's been with Spectrum Sports, now Spectrum News for the last year and a half. We're discussing all Urban Meyer stuff. We just got done with Urban Meyer. We were transferring over now to the new head coach after this last game on January 1st. That is going to be Coach Ryan Day. You and I sat next to each other for pretty much every single football game this year. Yeah. And we talked about the first three games when he was the interim head coach. Did a wonderful job taking over. Mm-hmm. Went 3-0. In my opinion, the Ohio State Buckeyes looked the best the first three games when he was head coach. And when Urban gave him the reins with Coach Wilson the last two games against Northwestern and Michigan. Right. The offense clicked. Is this what we're going to be used to moving forward? Is he going to, Or is he going to do what Urban did and get in his hermit shell and run the ball up the middle with a running back or a quarterback keep? Here's, here's something that I thought was interesting with, with, with a very specific kind of idea or concept with the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, given the transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. You think about who's the quarterback this year and who might be the quarterback next year. This is a very this Car, uh, Cardell Jones, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is the is the absolute perfect quarterback to fit Ryan Day's system. And that's why I'm not okay. set that he's leaving right now right. because I know he could sit in so, Ryan Day's office and say, "Listen, what we could do next year, you could win the Heisman by every single week. right." So, and then let's say Ryan, let's say Ryan Day is like, you know, he's sitting with Dwayne Haskins, and Haskins has like that late first, early second round NFL grade, like, ah, go. So Haskin goes to the NFL. Tate Martell is a, is a prototypical Urban Meyer-style offense yes. quarterback. So I think that's kind of a funny little dynamic that exists. It might be a little bit ironic. Um, but I, to what you said, uh, I think Haskins actually leaves to go to the NFL, uh, personally, unless uh, unless he decides that he want like he wants a national championship and he wants to win the Heisman and he's going to try and do that next year. If he wants to stay with his, but, they were saying that on the radio. If he wants to stay with his boys, he'll stay. Mm-hmm. If he wants to go for the money, which Ohio State fans cannot be mad at, right? Then we will root for you when you go pro. But yeah. We will love you to death if you come back for another. Right? Yeah, he would. You know, they'd be measuring him for a statue if he comes back and wins oh, a yeah. national championship. Could you imagine? Uh, it would be it would be un- exceptionally unlikely, and I think and I think because of that, he would go down as one of the greatest Buckeyes ever if he were to do that. Yes. Um, even if he doesn't win a national title, even if he just makes a run with them, I think he would be, you know, there'd be all the glory, lot, and honor for and him. And he's the greatest quarterback to ever step foot at Ohio State. You think so? See, I think we, we've we've talked a little bit about we've talked a little bit about um, kind of the, the the difference between talent and potential, and yeah. and what like results uh, and how results kind of factor into that wins losses and, and kind of where you're at as a team and as a program. And obviously Troy's name, Troy Smith's name, comes up a lot when you think about the best quarterbacks ever uh, at Ohio State. Arch Schleister uh, is another guy that we talk about. Yep. I would actually tend to agree with you that he's the best quarterback Ohio State has ever had. Art, I can't it's believe. very weird, though, to think about it could only be one season. 
that's where I think that's that's, that's where I think it's I think it's true. It's just a weird way to kind of discuss it because you only had one season of actually looking at it. I can't put the Arch Leister in a contact one. I never watched him. Right, I mean, I've only seen it, him on video. It's the same thing yeah. with my Pittsburgh Steelers fans saying we have the most Super Bowls. I'm just like, that's fine. I've only seen you win two. If you're going to talk about Super Bowls, you're going to talk about the New England Patriots because they're the best right. team in my lifetime. But if you want to talk about quarterback wise, Troy Smith was so good, but he has no national championships. Right. Dwayne being what he did this year, he broke every school record, yeah. every game record. The only other person I could put in that what would be Cardell Jones for what he did the three games, and he never lost as a starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Cardale's uh, definitely up there. I mean, Joey Germain is a lot better. Yep. If you go back and you look at statistics, uh, I, I mean, Joe Germain statistically is the best yeah, the most cons- there for a consistent years. Ohio State quarterback that they've had, other than Arch Schleister. Uh and then Troy obviously did his thing with the, you know being a bit of a dual threat. And, you know, Troy stood back there and threw it a little bit more than I think people gave him credit for. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, statistically, talent-wise, and like, um, and also changing the way Ohio State played offense. Yeah. Nobody has done. Nobody has influenced that more than Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. And. I actually think it'd be a little bit of a shame in a lot of ways that that was the only season, that this past year was the only time we really got to see him back there in the scarlet and gray. But at the same time, it'd be kind of funny, like, it'd be almost like the perfect way to to cement your legacy a little bit. Like, like, yeah, you know, you'd always be talking about him in in a way like, it's like, what if? What if? It's always whatever this team. Um, But yeah, so if, like, you know, he comes back next year and it's a... a couple new guys on the offensive line. That entire wide receiving core is brand new. Yep. Um, with you know, I mean, goodness gracious, the, I was you've got say, Olave is pretty much the only guy back that you most people would know. Mack would back. Awesome, Mack would. He's probably gonna. He he would be one one who would get back. He gets Saunders. CJ, I think is a he might run out of eligibility. Uh, he might be a redshirt junior. I was going to say that, though. Um, the reason why Dwayne fits so perfectly is you can only imagine what he was seeing when he came into camp was, I have four, now could be possible, five-star receivers that are seniors. Right. That could help me mature. Benjamin Victor could come back. Yeah. But you had K.J. Hill, Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, and Johnny Dixon. Like, those guys were here for so long. Like, they, yeah. you came in and was like, I don't need to worry about route running because you guys know every single playbook yeah. in our playbook. And and nobody has done more for Dwayne Haskins at the receiver spot than K.J. Hill. He's, oh. he's certainly this the, 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 the security blanket a little bit. Uh, if you go back and you look at, you know, when the, it, it, to me it, it actually starts in the Michigan game last year. You know, if you watch the second half of that game on third down, there's only one guy he's looking for, and that's K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill. Uh, and then when the going got tough this year, a couple times he's looking at most of the time he's looking for KJ Hill, and then on on top of that, uh, Paris Campbell finding uh, a different gear in in a couple different spots um, yeah. and basically running by people um, is a big reason why Dwayne Haskins broke all those records where he was actually throwing a four yard pass that turned into an eighty yes. yard one because yes. Paris is coming out on the other end of it. Uh, and that happened five to six to seven times this yep. year. I actually think we joke about like who made themselves the most amount of money, NFL money, uh, from from week one of the Ohio State season to now. 
who's who's been the guy who's made the most amount of money as far as like where they were at the start of the year to where we where they are na- now. Paris Campbell was actually one wins that. Yes. They're like you put Paris Campbell's going to get drafted now. Yeah. Next year, there was no chance if Paris Campbell came out last year. There was no, no chance of him. That's why he came in. So yeah, that I think is kind of an interesting thing. KJ Hill's a junior. He's gone. I think he leaves. Uh, straight up junior or retro junior? Uh, I don't even look. I know we'll have Cameron so, Babb as a as a young freshman. Yeah, know, huge talent coming out. Of I would high not school. be surprised. I I think I think he probably goes. Uh, I think if Dwayne stays. He might stay. Would, yeah, I mean, I honestly think like there might be a mass exodus if if Dwayne goes. I could see a bunch of people kind of yeah. Uh, full flaps and he's and, just and a junior, so he's a straight up junior. So I guess I guess KJ could come back. He had uh, 831 receiving yards this year. Yeah, and, and the, there's a big the, the receptions though as number one. 67. I think Paris. I think Paris is leading the team in receptions. I can see. Uh, KJ is like I think right behind him or not too far behind. Yeah, I mean everyone's getting there. Um, but yeah, Haskins spread around this year uh, without question. Um, but I think I think the whole thing with Ryan Day, uh, it, it I don't know necessarily say it it depends. Uh, his first year depends on on Dwayne Haskins coming back. But I think if he does get him back, uh, you want to talk about the perfect the perfect setup start circumstances oh. to 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 really start your tenure at Ohio State. The best way to do that is with a Heisman finalist. And you see that with Oklahoma. Yeah, and and, and yeah, I mean you know with. Um, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker leaving, and Lincoln Riley taking over for Stoops, uh, and and basically hitting the ground at a full sprint. Well, you're able to do that because you have the Heisman Trophy playing. And he's got possibly two in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, and, and, and we didn't really talk about the Heisman at all today. No. Um, and and I honestly, I literally couldn't tell you who who's going to win that. I think this is the first year in a long time. A chance, well, but yeah. I think he lost it Saturday. I think I think he actually. I think there's a if 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 people were responsible in the voting, and that's not always a given with yeah. the Heisman. If people voted prior to that game, then then Tua would win the dang thing. Yes. You know, with a run like a runaway train. But if you actually waited till the SEC championship game, there are a lot of people that I don't think were too impressed with that. I mean, he didn't play. I mean, to be totally game. honest. He'd be the first Heisman Trophy winner ever to be pulled out of a game for performance. And that, I think, would be actually pretty crazy. It's yeah. a pretty crazy sentence. But uh, I think Dwayne Haskins has way more of a chance to win this thing than we, than we really thought he would if you were to ask us a month ago. I mean, what he did the last two games of the season, even the last yeah. three games of the season, he put up number after number mm-hmm. after number. And he 499 won. in the Big Ten Championship game, which is absurd. And, wow, that and, and there were Yeah, exactly. And uh, you think about the knee that he took. Uh, and and like, he's like, oh, your total yards went down a yard. You know, I'm like, Can't, couldn't you just just throw like a one yard pass and then run a yard and have that guy take it? Yeah. Down? But um, the uh, I think I think with specifically to Ryan Day, and I think it's it, it's maybe the most unusual hire ever in college football in the last twenty years, probably twenty to twenty five years. Trust was and weird though too. Trust trust was weird if you weren't if you were anywhere outside of Ohio. So I'm but you gotta you gotta look at us from that what we are now from then. Like obviously yeah. leaving the nineties, going to the early two thousands, we weren't the same program. But to hire a guy that was a non division one head football coach. Right. Yeah. And and if you were from I'm from the Youngstown area, so you know, I knew I've known Jim Trussell of Jim Trussell my entire life because yeah. of, of all the national championships that he won at YSU. 
So it wasn't really a shock to see him get the Ohio State job uh, if you were a Youngstown person or really an in at-large at large Ohioan. Outside of Ohio, everybody thought that, you know, that Ohio State was absolutely batshit crazy for, for, well, you making, were batshit yeah, crazy. For, for picking him. And then obviously it worked out. Yeah. Because uh, he was, he, John, that was all, the the national championship year was without question John Cooper's best and recruiting class why, ever. But, yep. And couple that with Mo Claret coming in and playing out of his mind, Youngstown guy. Yeah. Um, that that that's why they won the national championship. It, like, in, in beating Michigan was huge because you know think of all all the he lost them once. Yeah. All the well beating Michigan that very first game, uh, that very first time. And trust when he was introduced to the basketball game, Ohio State basketball game at halftime, he came out and he had, he, he told everybody the number of days it was until they played Michigan and how he put like he he put like a circle on a calendar and said we're winning that game and we're starting now we're yep. starting to prepare for it now. Yep. Uh, and and the emphasis there it gave him a lot of credibility that he didn't have uh, in the days after his uh, hiring announcement, but with Ryan Day. What I find interesting is the general consensus across Ohio State fans, Buckeye Nation, if you will, of how everybody's okay with this. And that, to me, is mind-boggling because yeah. the, the, the lack of natural coaching, co the national coaching search, the number of former Ohio State assistants who are poised to be able to take over from your program that are out there right now, yeah. there's a ton of those dudes. And Ryan Day basically had a three-game job addition at the start of the year, passed that with flying colors, and was consequently handed the reins of one of the top three best college football programs. It's the same thing you mentioned Unbelievable. in the beginning of the podcast, with the smoke, there's fire. If this works out, we will look at Urban Meyer and thank him for handing the reins over because mm -hmm. he was a genius at this. And if it blows up in our face and we end up turning out to be in – eight and four program for the next couple of years and he doesn't know what to do with the defense yeah then we're gonna look at it and be like why at that point of our ohio state's program why didn't we go nationwide and get a coach that had Matt campbell chris ash one of those guys um i mean there's guys we could get anybody we want right besides davo kelly and saban mm -hmm. any any coach would want to leave their school now to come to ohio state yeah and and that I think is, I think to me, like the craziest thing about this whole situation is the fact that, you know, Urban Meyer, who I think to a paranoia, and I'm not saying borderline paranoia, I'm saying to an actual level of human paranoia, um, his concern about the program and, it, and its longevity throughout, you know, several years, a yep. span of a long time. Um, his emphasis on that um, and what that means to him as a man and as a person, he would not have stepped away if he didn't feel 1,000% comfortable with yes. Ryan Day being, that's being the man in charge. Right there, and that's crazy yeah. because this dude has never been a head coach ever. Ever. Zero. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, and you were talking about 30 for 30, but we were talking about that, you know, the, the, the Ohio State 2014-2015 team. If Ryan Day goes out there and wins a couple of natties and, and, you know, racks up 100, you know, triple-digit Ohio State wins, that's a movie. You know what I'm saying? What we've done since 2001 is going to be a movie. I mean, that's nuts what we've so, done. So, uh, it's, 
it's it's one of the most unlikely stories to ever one of the most unlikely rises uh, to in college football coaching maybe maybe coaching at any level um, and we'll see if he's able to kind of sustain that um, I got a good question though first off I want to yeah. give a shout out to Sam Block it's it's interesting we'll see what happens but I think I think that that is a that's a, such a huge question mark to me it is huge shout out to Sam Block thank you for coming on the shirt. Mike Tackett has a question. Would you rather have Ryan Day or Tom Herman as head coach? With everything that's gone down the past couple months with Tom Herman supposedly, or Tom Herman's wife supposedly telling Brad McMurphy about the situation mm -hmm. here in Columbus with Zach Smith, I don't think he would have came back, but that's both are offensive geniuses. Yeah, I, if you were to ask me, as someone who kind of knows both Ryan Day and Tom Herman, um, I can tell you as a man, I prefer Ryan Day all day, every day. Get a cool um, hook him. Uh, yeah. Got <laughs> the whole horns down. Uh, the, uh, I, and I'm just saying that as, as a personality thing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing with Tom Herman, um, uh, you know, the, the, I'll get, I'm getting into, getting into a, a kind of an, uh, an allegory here a little bit. Uh, Tom Herman is so smart, so smart, book smart, football smart, um, that there isn't a ton of bandwidth left upstairs for like interpersonal communication. It's the John Harbaugh and a little bit, yeah. Jim, 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 Jim. is definitely like that. Yeah, um, Jim Harbaugh. That that uh, sometimes you can rub people the wrong way just because the the whole common sense thing is can be kind of chucked out the window a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Ryan Day is a little bit more self aware. Um, whether that means he's a good college football coach, I don't know. Tom Herman certainly is struggling a little bit at Texas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he got him. He got. He has Texas close, but I feel like every time they're close, they take another step backward. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's a byproduct of what what's going on in Austin more maybe than what what's happening in Tom Herman's office. But, uh, to me, if you were if you were to say if I if I didn't know them as people and I was just looking at results, the answer is Tom Herman. Yeah. The answer is Tom Herman. Um. But knowing them as I do, and knowing how, and knowing, and, and you know, we obviously know Joshua Perry really well. Yeah, you heard some, uh, heard the way he's kind of talked about Tom Herman and some of the things that goes on behind has gone on behind Clyde's closed doors when he was the OC at Ohio State. Uh, the comparison to Ryan Day is certainly a little bit more favorable to Ryan Day. Yes, I think we're in good hands. Obviously, right now we're talking about this going to the Rose Bowl after winning the Big Ten championship for two years in a row now. <clears throat> teams clicking right now. Yeah, uh, I saw a tweet that said it would be perfect in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go. Ohio State's up big. You see on the sideline, Urban take off the headset, give it to Ryan Day. Ryan Day calls one play, takes Dwayne out, and puts Tate Martell in. They ride off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. Uh, the Rose Bowl is this January first. Yeah. Against Washington, Ohio State will be massive favorites going into that after what Washington did in the Pac-12. I think they're. I think it's going to be in like the 10, 10 and a half range right now. I would bet the house on Ohio State uh, by ten and a half. If it, if it, I don't think it'll. I don't think it will approach two touchdowns. I think maybe like in the next like week it might get up there, but by the end by by January it'll get back down into into the nine ten range. Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying that as someone who's not totally a qualified uh, handicapper. Vegas uh, guy. Not 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 a huge not a huge handicapper, dude. Um, 
But yeah, so the, the Rose Bowl is, gosh, man, uh, you want to talk about having like a full dinner plate of of narrative and There's story more stories line. around this game than there's, the college football playoff. There's a lot going on, and to be totally honest, it's a little bit, um, at least for me as someone who has to go and cover it uh, at the end of the month, it's almost a little bit overwhelming to think about everything that we're going to have to talk about. Um, I hope we have a post-game show because I could be calling yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I mean, I'll just hop in front of the camera. Let's yeah, go. That's right. um, but yeah, it's what what a way, um, you know, for uh, to to cap off not just a, a, a stint at Ohio State, but a career uh, in Urban Meyer. There isn't a better backdrop in college football and college sports, as far as I'm concerned, uh, than Pasadena and the Rose Bowl with the San Gabriels on your right and the sunset and the ocean on your left and. Uh, and and everything that you know that game kind of means. Uh, if you're from Ohio and you and you and you pay attention to the Big Ten, the Rose Bowl means something special to you, especially pre pre all of the bowl game. You know the the, the Tudor's Biscuit World shout out to West Virginia Tudor's Biscuit World bowl game. <laughs> um, you know the if you you know when we grew up in that era so maybe the rose bowl doesn't totally mean that much to me but like much of those to us but like the urban myers when the rose bowl was basically it um it's it is everything and it is the perfect like it is the perfect venue outside of winning a, na a national championship it is the other it is the only other venue that i think you can walk off into the sunset and it'd be a, a perfect like you said, period ending that's what Urban was said. He said, I've been winning the coach's game my entire life. This is the first time in the college football era that the Rose Bowl will have a Pac-12 champion and the Big Ten champion. Mm -hmm. uh, just because the bowl games have been switched around so much. And it finally has that meaning again of the Big Ten and gets the Pac-12 for all tomorrow. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah. And, and the parade. And it would be the worst thing ever if Ohio State goes out and lays an egg. It would be. I the, don't see it happen. I don't though. think it'll happen. I think. I don't uh, think Washington has a defense that could stop. Yeah, if Josh was here, he'd say Ohio State by a hundred, and he would be way more uh, 